0: You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast. And I'm your host, Lalita G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie, Maymay, May, and Lakeisha Uh-oh, mama does. I'm not Mookie, Maymay, May, and Lakeisha's uh-huh. mama. Tri- 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 a preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby. And his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl. If chump don't want no help, chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I... No, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Sheets, towels, blankets, rugs, window coverings, tampons, diapers, cotton balls, Q-tips, wipes, the American dollar bill, lotions and creams, wall coverings, paper coffee filters, fishing nets, thickener in toothpaste and ice cream, bandages, army uniforms, underwear, socks, t-shirts, blue jeans, police officer uniforms. My mother picked cotton for a living. My grandmother picked cotton for a living. My great-grandmother picked cotton for a living. My great-great-grandmother, and so on and so forth. I'm the first woman in my mother's generation and her lineage that did not pick cotton for a living. We were raped while we were in the cotton fields. We were beaten while we were in the cotton fields. Our babies were sold away while we were in the cotton fields. We were starved while we were in the cotton fields. We were worked to death while we were in the cotton fields. This weekend between the fireworks and hot dogs and beers, I invite white folks to ponder on the great benefits of 400 years of free labor throughout these Americas and the privileges And the wealth that you get to enjoy that came at the price, at the beating, at the selling, at the raping, at the death of black people before me and my family. We decided to show again the Ground Zero episode for this Independence Weekend. Because I want us all to be reminded black, brown and otherwise of the foundation of trauma that black girls and black women have inherited from generations of black women and girls before us. Listen in to this episode. It really gives a deep understanding of where it started and how it continues. And I would love to hear from you. You can go to Lalataorg and you can send me a message. What has this episode stirred up for you? What truth does it bring to, to you, to light? What understanding, what compassions maybe has it stirred? We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, if you like the work that we are doing through the Defending Black Girlhood podcast, the, the creative expressions I have through my art and through my writings and through my videos, I invite you to join me as a patron. On my website, lalada.org, L-I-L-A-D-A dot O-R-G. You can go there. You can also find a link to Patreon. Click on that. And for only $5 a month, you can become a patron of the arts. You're able to do $5. You're able to do $25, 50 Whatever you're able to afford to support the creative work that we are doing around the messaging of defending Black girlhood and the mission that Black girls are safe in their homes, in their schools, and in their communities. Thank you. I believe that the depth, the foundations of the stories that our black girls live, were first crafted in our own black girl stories. They definitely are deeply impacted by the stories that we now choose to live. But the foundation of the stories that we continue to create for them started in us years ago. And if we heal, if we mend our broken spirits, our minds, and sometimes our bodies, we are empowered to create new, better, healthier stories for our Black girls. But if we don't... You know, I was thinking about this in the context of telling Erica Hill's story, you know, and there's no way to not understand that Marie had a Black girl story herself, but at the same time trying to balance that out because there's a lot of us... Us black women, us black mothers, us black daughters that have deeply broken stories, horrible experiences of abuse and neglect. Many of us at the hands of our mothers, many of us at the neglect of our mothers, many of us at the ignoring of our pain and our obvious scars from our mothers, you know, but we don't end in such a tragic way as Erica ended and as as Marie did in that story, you know. But if we understand the complexities of our stories and if we understand the depth of the historical trauma that we as Black women throughout the African diaspora carry, we understand that we also carry a responsibility to heal. And that won't always come through forgiving and mending our relationships with our own mothers, And the pain that we put through, that's not healing. Forgiving is not healing. Forgiveness is a part of healing, but forgiveness is not healing. Forgetting is not healing. And I think it's important for us to recognize that because sometimes we think if we have, quote unquote, forgiven a person for what they've done to us, that that's our job that we've healed, you know, or we think if we have quote-unquote forgotten the things that people have done to us that we don't need to heal but black women deeply deeply need to heal there is no way around defending black girlhoods if we as black women don't heal black mothers black teachers black aunties black cousins black grandmamas if we don't heal we will never be in the position to defend our girls Because defend them from what? Defend them from the same shit we went through? What did we go through? If we don't acknowledge our scars, if we don't acknowledge our pain, if we don't acknowledge the garbage and the baggage that we carry with us, we will ignore it in our daughters. You know, there's a story that I often tell of a a black girl who had an experience in school And the mother was called after this experience because the girl had acted so much out of of character that the social worker just kind of leaned in and said, baby, what's going on? And the girl revealed that she had been sexually abused. So the social worker calls up the mom. Maybe she thought she was informing her of something she didn't know. And the mom says, yeah, I know, she said, but... I couldn't deal with mine. I can't help her deal with hers. And, you know, when you hear that, part of will be like, oh, my God, that's a horrible thing for a mother to say. But that's the reality of too many black women. The thought of pausing, stopping, acknowledging, feeling our pain, feeling our wounds, and then dealing with them is overwhelming we don't know where to start cuz we we don't know where our pain stopped and we began and we've learned from our mothers and our mothers before is that you just suck it up and this it's this not just the the historical trauma that we have that we're dealing with, with within ourselves within our body within our DNA it's also the historical response to what we've been through you know when little girls were raped on the plantation, when little girls were raped in the birth of these these Christian white captains that were stealing them away from Africa, there was no amount of cry out that they could do that anybody could respond to, so that even if you heard her cry while she was being raped. Even if you saw her tears after she got back, there was nothing you could do. There was no response that you could have. So black men and black women, seeing their girls raped, there was nothing they could do on the plantation. Seeing her raped, seeing the master or the overseer calling her into the bushes or calling her into the big house, or taking her back to her own broken-down cabin to rape her, there was nothing that anyone had the power to do anything about it. And so that's trauma, too. The trauma of silence, the trauma of forgetting, the trauma of ignoring pain, the trauma of non-response to pain, to the pain of feeling of your own violations— And then seeing those same violations carried on in your daughter or your play daughters or your play nieces on the plantation, there was nothing you could do. And so you fast forward that now we're stuck with this pain that we're carrying, but we're also stuck with the modeling of you don't respond to the pain of black girls. You don't respond to the pain of black women. And you don't even as a black girl or a black woman respond to your own pain. And so we carry forward and we get married and we have babies and we try to find some kind of way to deal with this pain that is undeniable, yet we still deny it. And we try to drown it out with drugs and with alcohol. We try to drown it out with sex and the love and affection of men. We try to drown it out with the cars that we drive and the houses that we live in. And yet we are still broken and we still carry these stories and we still carry these wounds. And there's no way that if we don't deal with them, if we don't heal them, there is no way that we don't pass it on to our daughters. And that we don't then impede our ability to respond to the pain that we see, the pain that is so familiar because we know it. We know the smell of the pain. We know the smell of a man on the body of a child. We know the invisible look in the eyes of a child when she's been violated, and when she's forced to carry secrets. We know it because we've been it, and we've seen it in our own reflections. We've smelled it on our own bodies, and yet we are powerless, or so we think, to respond. And we sit on church pews, and we try to pray it out and shout it out, but we don't deal with it. And we don't demand that they deal with it. And so because we're not dealing with our pain, we don't demand that the schools deal with our pain. We don't demand that the policies of social services are changed to deal with the pain of our black girls. And we don't demand that the schools are situated to better deal with our black girls. And we don't demand that the churches and the pastors from the pulpits We allow the smell of the fried chicken dinners that black women are cooking for the pastor's anniversary to drown out the smell of grown-ass men on little black girls' bodies. And the money that we throw into the pans from our welfare checks, those sounds and those smells, we don't demand beyond that that the pastors address our pain because we don't. There is no defending of black girls unless black women stand up and understand and acknowledge that we need to heal and that in our healing is our defense. In our healing, we become strong and the broken experience of healing in that journey that is so difficult and sometimes feels like you're living the pain over again. In that journey, we gain our strength and we we are empowered to become warriors for our girls. But if we don't, we become conduits of their pain and of their demise. And then the cycle continues. Oh, Jesus.